Do you have a show or a YouTube channel, podcast, or relevant product that you want to promote at the top of the Elseworlds Exchange? Well, now's your chance, man. For 50 bucks, you'll get a month's worth of plugs at the audio version right here of the Elseworlds Exchange. Right at the top of the show, first thing they'll hear... Now, it'll probably still be my voice, but you'll write up a short one-minute plug, we'll record it, and toss it at the front of the show. Or, alternatively, for 20 bucks, you can get a month's worth of plugs at the end of the show. Right after you hear us sign off, same deal, one-minute scripted plug for your stuff. How do you take advantage of this incredible opportunity? Just go to therealcomicpop.com, hit the contact button at the top, and fill everything out, and we'll work it out through PayPal. By the way, we do reserve the right to reject or accept based on our own personal taste. I'm not going to plug your Nazi podcast, man, I'm sorry. You know what, I'm not sorry about that. But you're not going to do it anyway, so go to therealcomicpop.com, hit the contact button at the top of the page, fill everything out, and we'll work it out. Worth it. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland comes a friend of the unfortunate, enemy of criminals mysterious, all-powerful character, a problem to the police, but a crusader for law. Hey everyone, welcome to the Elseworlds Exchange, I'm Sal. And I'm Joel. Today we're going to talk about where our inspiration comes from, and perhaps on a deeper meaning, where all of inspiration comes from. I'm looking forward to seeing how how deep we can get into this 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 topic, this discussion. It's gonna be it's gonna get uh, it's gonna get deep, it's gonna get dark, but at the end of the day, it's gonna be delightful. So there you There's go. Triple D. This stands for Diners, <laughs> Drive-Ins, and Dives. Dives. <laughs> With the Guy Fieri of comics, Joel. <laughs> I thought it was the Smash Mouth of comics. How can I be both? Guy Fieri's the Smash Mouth of food. That's that's very fair, actually. <laughs> now that man, I stop and think about it, yeah. Man, one time, uh, I think I was at PAX East, and we saw a Guy Fieri cosplayer. Oh, yeah? And I was like, hey, check it out, it's Triple D. And he goes, welcome to Flavortown. <laughs> and I was like, holy did, shit. Did he then offer you some donkey sauce? He he did have donkey sauce. Did I didn't get any of it, thank God. <laughs> That's what he needs to do. Guy Fieri needs to be like the new Santa Claus. If if you're really Flavortown, he will come to you in the night and fill your stockings with donkey sauce. Yeah. Uh, a friend, actually Ben, ate at his restaurant. Oh, really? It was a garbage fire. Was it really? Yeah, apparently this, the food was horrible and overpriced and, like, no thanks. I, I'm sure you've heard the conspiracy theory about Guy Fieri that the only reason he keeps doing that diners, drive-ins, and dive show is so he can go to other people's restaurants, see how their food is made, and then, like, tweak it <laughs> just enough for his own menu. Oh, my God. I mean, listen, that's a brilliant move, man, I gotta tell you. So we're saying, let me let me tie it into the topic. Guy Fieri draws his inspiration by stealing it from other people. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hey, theory, man, it's, by it's the way. Not, not it's a... only stealing if you get caught. And yes, chat, that's right. Donkey sauce is just an aioli. That sucks. Uh, I got I, I was assuming that uh, the only reason why Guy Fieri does diners, drive-ins, and dives is because it's probably one of the cheapest shows Food Network can make. And if he didn't have it, he wouldn't be on the Food Network anymore. That's true. Of course, he does Did have you... Guy's Grocery Games, which that's is right. frustratingly addictive. <laughs> did uh did you hear the story and he actually confirmed this why he wears all the bad shirts that he wears i can't even imagine i mean because he has no class <laughs> well kinda the story is is that when he had his interview with food network someone told him hey wear a nice shirt wear a shirt with buttons and of course <laughs> the only shirt he had with buttons, bowling shirts yeah well no, it was an ugly hawaiian shirt uh. which was the only shirt he had with buttons that he wore for his job interview and, of course, the Food Network execs are like, wow, what a character this guy is. You need to wear these all the time. So then the wardrobe department just kept bringing him bowling shirts and oh Calaveras shirts and everything. That makes sense. That sounds about right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesus. So, uh, yeah, we're talking about inspiration and where we get it from. This is of a, a, a very uh, strong topic that is near and dear to my heart because uh, it, it where I've drawn inspiration... And what has inspired me to do what we do here and what we've do, done outside the shows uh, have have are many varied and have changed, evolved, or fallen away over time. So I'm really excited to get into it. Uh, yeah. So where do you want to start? Uh, I mean, I guess I can talk about uh, maybe what inspires us as podcasters, oh, okay. a.k.a. the thing we're doing at this moment. Yeah, okay. What inspires this show? Uh, or where did, where did the show get inspired from? Is that what you're thinking? Well, I mean, just even what what made us want to do the podcast thing in general. Oh. What made us want to be like, hey, let's let's have a show and talk about stuff. Man, uh, for me, the the desire to have a podcast came from 
my making podcasts forever. I've made, and in fact, it's the same story of where I got YouTube videos, and like I've been making YouTube videos since like ten years before YouTube was was <laughs> created. But uh, I was I was always recording little little shows, little vignettes, and little interviews with my friends and family, and that was always very addictive to me. I always found that really inspiring and 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 really like fun and easy to do, and. I remember when podcasts became a thing, like when that was a thing that was happening, people were like listening to them. I remember people like a couple of friends of mine were like, I don't even listen to the, to the radio anymore. I listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. I, was, yep. I was like, I holy shit, way. podcasts are blowing up. And the, there's no, there, there, there's no filter and there's no rating system and there's no arbiter of the, of the format. As long as I have like a, like a thing to record the audio and a way to get that audio into a computer, I'm ready to go. Uh, and there's so many different podcasts with so many different themes for so many different people. It's, it's the Garfield effect that we've talked about before. Just by sheer volume, there's a perfect podcast out there for somebody. That's true. Thank you, Supermanny. He says, you guys inspire Aww. me. Thanks, Superman. Uh, but I gotta say, uh, I remember in the beginning when I was like, I will, I'm gonna start podcasting. Before YouTube, I was like, I'm gonna do, be a podcaster. And I don't know if I'm gonna make a living on it, but I'm going to do it, and it will be a, a, a way for me to get my, kind of like, my residual creative energies out. Because yeah. I went from, like, wanting to make movies, to making comic books, to making YouTube videos. And... I never was like, I'm going to be a podcaster, but I always had this, like, runoff creative energy where I'm like, okay, after working on these comics, i got to start recording audio because I just, I'm, I'm constantly thinking and constantly expressing uh, uh, thoughts and ideas and stuff. And so uh, I, I reached out to some similarly-minded people, uh, and I was like, dude, let's do a podcast. And he's like, podcasts are fleeting and stupid. I don't know anybody, I don't know anyone personally who listens to them, and they're a flash uh-huh. in the pan, they'll be gone in a year, so I'm not gonna waste my time recording stuff just so I could be on a sh- Bo- on, on garbage. Boy, is his face red! I'm sure. Uh, he, I don't. I don't know. I'm. I will be asking him about it very soon. Uh, Neo Gecko mm-hmm. from the super chat says, "Hi, Sal and Joel, and everyone in the chat. Death to all Funko Pops. There is no inspiration <laughs> in those little gnomes. I agree. <laughs> Th- those things are beanie babies, but on a scale that is unparalleled. Beanie babies, of course, were a, a phenomenon." But Funko Pops, like, the, we, we're going to be building cities on those things because the gra- the Earth itself will be made of melted-down Funko plastic at some point in the future. In, in the Mad Max apocalypse, there will be a warlord by the name of Funko who wears armor made of little Funko Pops. Yes, yeah, and they'll only be the Funkos from his, per- his personal favorite fandoms, of which there were only you know. thousands of them. In his GameStop lair that he has taken over, where they all have weapons made of, like, discs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, But what about you, man? What made you want to get into podcasting? Well, you know, I was always kind of enamored uh, by the art of radio, even before I got into, like, uh, internet podcasts. I know I was a big fan of the former Spill podcast, now defunct, a bunch of guys from Austin sitting around talking about movies, some with film background, some without. And I really dug this idea where it's like, hey, you can have a conversation with friends, essentially, and people will listen and like it, and that will grow a sense of community around it. I always thought that was great. Uh, I especially liked uh, the former Leog League of Extremely Ordinary Gentlemen, which, again, defunct now. Most of its archives sadly lost to the Internet. But one of the guys, uh, Harrison, I met at Seattle this year. Oh, that's and right. I shook his hand and talked to him. He, uh, he does the Dr. Nerd Love podcast and uh, website. Now, he, uh, he actually parlayed his podcast success into something quite interesting, to a little empire of his own. Nice. What was uh, – was that one of your first podcasts you ever listened to? Or uh, uh, it was one of the first ones I listened to religiously. Okay. Like every week, I'm like, "Oh man, new episode of this. Gotta check this out." Again, it became the new TV. It became the new radio. What was the first podcast you listened to? And then what was? Then I guess that was your favorite podcast or your first favorite, your first love podcast. For a long time, it was. Yeah. I don't remember what my first podcast ever was. I feel like <laughs> whatever it was I. was boring, and I didn't care. I remember like I didn't listen to a lot of them. I remember I was like, there are a lot of podcasts. But there were two that I listened They're to religiously, off. and one of them was uh, Comic Book Club. Uh, yeah. who, which you've been lucky enough to been on. I've been on times, twice, yeah. which is like a bucket list dream come true. Uh, 
they they are also inspire they also inspire me to do YouTube, so I'll get into them again. But the other show was actually a uh, spinoff from the Newgrounds animated series College University, which is one of my favorite internet cartoons of all time. Uh, the guys, uh, Mike and Andy Parker, did this amazingly uh, ahead-of-its-time animated series, College University, about two friends who went to college and the and, and the, the silly adventure. It's very Family Guy meets Simpsons kind of thing. And I think uh, you showed me a little of this. And I'm I like, did. wow, this was Family Guy before Family Guy. It was very before Family Guy. I was like, wow. But uh, that was a great show. And then they were like, I think we're going to get into podcasting. So like, and it was a way for them as, cause they're both brothers. Actually, they, they used oh. the show as a way for them to like have to get together and talk to each other for like an hour or two. <laughs> and that was really, really addictive to listen to. I loved listening to them. And they also read fan mail. And that was one of my first experiences getting a chance to actually like see my fandom cross that barrier where I was like, I would send them an email and they would read the email and we would have like a little bit of like a delayed back and forth. That happened to me, too, with Leon, because they had a whole letters page segment. I remember it was really awesome to get to hear my name read on another show. Yeah, exactly. That was and, – and for that point, I didn't even think about, like, oh, me, too. That was me being like, hey, the guy said, like, read my story or read my comment on their show. didn't even occur to me that, like, nobody gave them the keys to the podcast network and told them to, Ooh, knock, no. like, to, to knock it out of the park. Uh, there was nothing that was precluding me from doing that show or from doing a show similar. But, uh, true. but yeah, that def like, I think college university and that show inspired me to start doing podcasts and we did, and we did a show and it was not good. And I also thought that we <laughs> needed, I thought there was a lot more effort and work that needed to go into podcasts. I know that sounds like, yep. Yeah, sounds like Sal's cutting corners and doing what he does like shitting up you know his regularly scheduled content but the fact is like i i uh i would like record a podcast with a friend uh and then i would take it into post and then cut out all the moments where there were us or delays or like oh really and i'm like this sucks like it was exhausting to do that i bet and i think we started doing the elseworlds exchange was when i was like i don't think i need to do that anymore and sure enough, I don't. I don't have to edit that shit except for removing really, really clunky intros to shows like this one. <laughs> but dumb tish. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the thing about podcasting in general is I don't think anyone starts as a good podcaster. It's a thing you need to learn, and it's also something that you get better at in time once you also uh, kind of grow closer to your podcasting partner. A podcasting partner is one in a million, someone who it's like, you, are, you basically know what they're going to say before they say it, so you can let them talk so you're not talking over them. Exactly. No, it's true. Uh, there's a, there is a great rapport with, a, with successful shows, and there's a reason why some shows like don't take breaks or don't have long hiatuses between seasons. Um, our show, for example, definitely does not have a lot of those. I think we've missed one week. And we definitely let people know ahead of time. It's true. So, uh, yeah. Uh, as far as podcasting goes, I guess that's where I got my inspiration. I guess that's where you got yours. Um, when it comes to the people who inspire us, what made you think that your voice should be heard at all? You know what I mean? Like, who gave mm. you who gave you the authority or who gave you, you know, the stewardship of your own kingdom, you know? That's a, that's a damn excellent question. I know as far as YouTubers go who kind of made me think like, well, fuck, if he can do it, I can do it too. Mm -hmm. I was a big fan. Well, not even just a big fan, but he was a guy whose career I followed and still follow from when he was just a random guy on YouTube to getting picked up by a big site to doing his own thing now. Uh, Movie Bob, formerly of the escape of the escapist, now Screen Rant, now a bunch of other stuff. His work is I think he works at Geek.com too. I remember when he was just a dude on the internet. Uh, what is it? Uh, submitting his videos to Screw Attack, and I'm like, well, hey man, this guy is really opinionated. This guy makes a lot of nerdy references. We have basically the same reference pool. Well, shit, I can do it. Yeah, yeah. I remember Movie Bob. I, I watched a lot of Movie Bob when I got into The Escapist, and that was thanks to Tiffany. Actually, she was like, uh, Zero Hedge is amazing. <laughs> there, there, or zero there was a golden age. Yeah. Oh yeah, Zero Punctuation. There was a golden age of The Escapist when they had Movie Bob, Zero Punctuation, Jim Sterling, Loading Ready Ron, yeah. and those uh, and those extra credit guys, they had like a killer block of shows five yeah. days a week. 
Man, and extra then credits, either... good call. And loading ready run. They, extra... Those guys, uh, those guys went over to po- to Penny Arcade. They did. I was going to say, you know, kick a... them right the fuck out. <laughs> they, they they sure did, but they're doing good online right now. They have their extra history series now, where they talk about historical events in the same way they talk about video games, and I find that very educational. If I was a history teacher, I'd be stealing all their shit. That's really cool. I like that a lot. It is. What I was trying to say there is, you know, it's funny because, like, Escape has had a golden age where they had, like, a bunch of awesome shows every week. And then they ended up firing and kicking out or pissing off all those people. And now Yahtzee's the only one who's left. Yeah, it's unbelievable um, where – how – how um, okay. So, like, let's talk a little bit about – I mean, like, uh, let, me get, let me use this as an example. Uh, you know – Penny Arcade, when they first started, they were given the opportunity to make a comic because a website like paid them to do it. And then they realized that the only reason people were going to that website was to read their comic. And so they mm-hmm. left that, and they really could have worked out like a nice arrangement if the people who owned that website treated them well and paid them well. Yep. And they just straight up didn't, and didn't recognize their own talent, didn't recognize what they had. And it's amazing yeah. how often that happens and how frustrating it is when you're like either when it's ha- especially when it's happening cuz hindsight's 2020 but recognizing when it's happening going like dude the this is this is the best you're ever going to get make this True. work as much as humanly possible but somebody always wants to screw it up it's like uh the real ghostbusters really cartoon show great show solid premise works really well it's one of the highest rated cartoon shows of its era and then the network's like okay but how do we fix it though and it's like what fix what man like i and, the, and that that is heavily applied to the world of youtube now oh yeah where yeah. it's like okay but how do we fix this show and it's like uh let the people who make the show it, the success it is keep doing what they do uh, but, but how will I be an important person if I don't get my hands on this and tinker with it? How will I feel like That's I've not thing. done something? That's the thing. And I think that comes from a place of wanting authorship over something successful. And that comes oh, from yeah. wanting to be able to express themselves and do what those people do so well. Um, I don't think it's – I don't necessarily think it's from a place of like – evil where it's like well if if they're so good at it and i'm not then i'll ruin what they do i think it's more just like when folk don't do it well they 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 they, you know it doesn't go well and so their influence on something good is only going to be detrimental it's it's more more hubris than malice if i can agree some of my big sat words that's solid no that's a solid quote (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i think the person who got me anywhere like this was Kevin Smith. And I know that it's like the yeah. nerdiest, most obvious thing to say, but dude literally changed my life in the best and worst way. Cause like, I think when I was in high school, I saw clerks. I think a friend of mine gave me his, gave me a tape of it. And I was like, the perfect time to see it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Don't see it in like middle school. It'll ruin you. But uh, <laughs> if you see it in high school, it'll only get you in trouble because you'll like think, oh, I get it. It'll take, it'll kind of take the blinders off a little bit because you're like, oh, it's all bullshit. Like, this is all stupid. And I, I, I should be like, I, I should be pushing myself. You know, I should be helping my own agenda. Um, but, you know, it, it, it kind of ruins your sense of community. But in any case, uh, Saw Clerks, I'm like, oh, I want to do that. Not, And it wasn't one of those like, if this fat fuck can make this shitty movie, then I could do something better than that. It's more like, oh, this dude came from humble beginnings and made this thing. And I want to be as funny, talented, and original as that guy. And I, if, I'm sure, no doubt, too, being a nerd from Jersey yourself, you felt a certain level of kinship with him that you didn't feel with any other creator. Completely. No, there was a, like, I, I was very much, I was getting into Quentin Tarantino at the time, but he was untouchable. And it wasn't even from a place of, like, he's a god. It's more like, I can't even possibly relate to this dude. No, Dude's watching I, movies I, that I don't even give a... I could never be bothered to care about. And he's just like, so no, true. like he's he is a distillation of all movies into this one thing. But uh, And I couldn't even touch that. But Kevin Smith is way more accessible. And, uh, and he kind of like pushed me out of being a fan and wanting to instead make things. 
Mm. Because because he almost made it look easy, didn't he? Because he bet on himself, and it's a great like story of a man with a dream to make a movie, and it had a very punk rock aesthetic. It's like, no, I'm going to film it in black and white, even though I don't have all the technical know-how. I have a story that's personal to me, and I'm telling my story, and I'm hoping it relates to people. Right, and the reality is, like, he did have a technical knowledge. He's, he claims he didn't, but, like, dude went to film school for a while, and he surrounded himself with people who knew what they were doing, and that's why, like, they could... They, they could record sound and they could, like, edit the damn thing. It was just, mm. it's easy to be, uh, you know, to, to go, like, I have a I have just a hope and a dream and a good script and I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll make it good. Like, if you have bad sound, no one's going to care how good your script is. If, if you have, if, if, if the movie isn't in widescreen, no one's going to watch the damn thing. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of things that you need to know beforehand, but... You do need to have just the the unmitigated gumption to go like, well, I'm gonna do it anyway, and and if I don't know how to do it, I'm just gonna learn how to do as much as I can. Um, but he inspired me to do that, and he constantly does that. It's frustrating and kind of like inspiring how often he continues to inspire me. I feel like every time I think that I've moved beyond Kevin Smith, he shows up again with something with some other piece of science to knock my to knock me on my ass. It's, it's funny, you could almost argue like now he's inspiring us in the opposite direction. Where it's like, oh, I'm not going to treat my critics like that. And maybe I'm not going to do this other thing. Yeah. Maybe I should try and be better than the guy I liked so much. Well, and it's not even, I, I definitely don't think of it from in that term. And I'm not like, I'm not like well, I'm better than Kevin Smith. Ugh. Or like he's, I've, I've evolved past him. I think, I think it's closer to that, but it's not like I'm better than him. And now I'll continue to rise above. It's more like... I, he was inspiring and he helped me get to this, he helped me, he'll push me to this milestone. And then somehow he managed to push me to this other milestone, even though he wasn't even directly related to it. Um, and now he stands as a monument to my ability to motivate myself through him, as opposed to him being like, it's almost like he helped me climb the, the Kevin Smith statue. And now he just exists as this statue, the, this <laughs> monument to the to achievement. And I don't need like I, I'm not looking to him for inspiration anymore. I don't know. I, it's just interesting. Like I, 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 but I wouldn't be surprised if the dude just out of nowhere showed up and go like, "Hey, man," and then just blow my mind again because he always did it every every like five or ten years. He would show up with something new and something amazing. And the most recent example was him being like, it, actually, it was him. It was him promoting podcasts, but it wound up being the thing that inspired me to make comic pop. And so you, you could argue as a podcaster, he's actually done a fair amount uh, to legitimize the quote unquote art form of podcasting and add a little bit more celebrity muscle to it. It's funny. I always thought that he was kind of like late to the party. Like when me he too. was when he showed up, he was like. He's like, hey, podcasting, and I'm like, yeah, man, it's been going on for about a decade or so, like, or at least five years, like, dude. Heck, Fat, Fat Man on Batman didn't get a YouTube channel until a couple of years ago, and we both agreed that, yeah, he's really late to the YouTube party. I know, no, like, the first, like, I think the first six months, we were we were outperforming Fat Man on Batman on YouTube, and I was like, <laughs> Feels oh, good. that's kind of fun. Um, I better jump on the bandwagon. Hey, Kev, you want to come on my show? It'll uh, it'll promote your, your YouTube channel, and, you know, that's how it goes. Um, but we should, I guess we could get into the YouTube thing, uh, unless, so we talk about podcasts and what inspired us to want to do podcasting. Mm. Um, is there anything that wanted, that made you want to get into, to comics? Because, uh, I, I mean, yeah. comics to me, they were always kind of like, uh, omnipresent in my youth growing up. They were on the cartoons, they were on the breakfast cereals, they were on the toys that I played with. Yeah. So uh, Su Superman, I would argue, has been a more net positive inspiration in my life and more g gave me more light or I got more life lessons than Spider-Man from Spider-Man than I got from like the Bible. Right. No, that's a big thing. Like if we want to talk about gen like general inspiration, I think like some of the few people like who inspired my morality are fi are all fictitious and and came almost directly from comic books. <laughs> this guy, not even from my country, the guy who's on my shirt right that, like, now. I'm like, honestly, as an American, that kind of does me a little proud. Like, I always like seeing Captain America inspire non-Americans, uh, and it's amazing to me how 
many more non-Americans I'm fine I find are inspired by Captain America than Americans, and that in and of yeah. itself makes me more inspired and makes me kind of like proud to be American because I'm like so, we we made Captain America that makes so, me happy. Super Superman too in any uprising and anything you see in any other other country. You're bound to see a Superman symbol there in the crowd somewhere. Agreed. Oh, no, Superman, it's funny, for me, as a, when I grew up, Superman was always unattainable and unrelatable. I couldn't, I couldn't connect with Superman on any level, because I didn't really know enough about him, and I didn't really understand the character. Um, but I was, a na- I was naturally attracted to Batman, and so I thought I was drawing inspiration from Batman as a result. And, by the way, if you're like 12, 13, you read Dark Knight Returns, that will... That you will you will be you either trick yourself or actually be inspired to like recognize what manhood is, and yeah. certainly that was a big that was a big push for me, and that also of course cemented my disconnect with Superman. But I found that like Batman can only get you so far. He really can because he is himself stunted by design. Is That's he not? Thing. Like Nightwing's almost more inspiring than Batman because oh god yeah he evolved past it. He's like no 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 like yeah you gave me the training and the cool costume and the tech and the money, and then I moved on past my, my own parents' city death. And my own love yeah, interest, like, yeah, I don't live in the darkness of my own like uh, tragedy, you know, and that's kind of cool. Uh, I don't fetishize my own sadness to borrow a BoJack Horseman quote. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but but Batman helped me get to Superman eventually. It was my rejection of Superman that eventually brought me to a place of total uh, pureness when I eventually did uh, absorb Superman. Because I remember, uh, I think Tiffany was taking a class in um, in uh, in uh, gender and, cl- and comics or something like that. Oh. And I uh, and, and as a result, she had to read a whole bunch of books, uh, Strangers in Paradise and by Terry Moore and a couple other books. But one of them was. Superman Birthright, and mm. uh, and I'm and so I ordered all these books and we read and we read them and I was like, I think I'm gonna read Superman Birthright for the first time. Read it and that I was like, oh shit, I am a dumbass and I've never gotten Superman until just now. And it t- it takes a lot to get Superman. Like Batman, you can get him at pretty much first glance, but Superman it takes a bit. And there, but like, and you need to really cherry pick. Batman stories that are truly inspiring as opposed to Batman stories that are like just really cool. Um, they yeah. might inspire you to draw or to write, but they don't inspire you necessarily to be like the best person you can. Um, you have to find those stories. You gotta, you gotta search for them. But uh, with Superman, I was like, oh, I get it. And that actually made me like view Superman through a different lens as a result. Like going back and looking at like when I used to watch the old uh, Superman animated series, not the Max Fleischer show, which I did watch, but the... Uh, the, the um, oh, crap, what show was that? I want to say it was the Filmation Superman show. Um, oh, n- not Challenge of the Super Friends, the ones before even that. No, no, after that. No, no, there was this, oh, there, was this 80s, there was this 80s Superman cartoon show that uh, Superman was, it was just, it was basically just a, a, a reimagining of the, like, at that time, current Man of Steel Superman comics. So it was, really? uh, yeah, it was like the first time you saw Super or De- Lex Luthor as like a businessman in the animated oh. show and stuff. It was really, really cool, but a really solid how, show. How have I, how have I never heard or seen of these before? I feel because there's a nobody huge, really yeah. liked them or watched them, and they kind of f- like fell out, fell to the wayside. They were the Ruby Spears Superman show, and oh. by the way, YouTube them. They're really fun. The animation's pretty solid, and every episode ended with like a little like jokey flashback show where. Ma and Pa were looking through the photo album, and then they'd remember a time when young Superman, like Superboy, was growing up, and like his powers usually got him in like a silly situation. You know, like right. the babysitter was like trying to watch him, and he flew around the room. You know, they, <sighs> that kind of thing. But really fun and really cool. But and, 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 I, I, I think yeah. it was that Superman that had like that famous like uh, PSA with Superman being like, hey, you ain't smoking, are you, kids? No, I, I, maybe it was that. I want to say that that was part of it, but uh, in any case, uh, comic books were a huge source of inspiration for me as far as developing my own morality, and Spider-Man is the, is the culprit for that 100%. Spider-Man's my Captain America for you. Like, it's... Definitely. Dude, it's funny. Every time anybody, like, talks about, like, how Spider-Man is like, oh, Cap, you're so inspiring, I'm like... Dude, you're the one who gives more inspirational speeches. You're the one who has a True. who has a, a bumper sticker quote that you can apply to every situation. You know, like, come on, man. Uh, and but, he did it without super drugs. But he did it without, yeah, he didn't, and he did it without taking steroids. 
Captain America, the original doper. Yeah. But comics, uh, it's funny, comics inspired me to be a better person, but uh, I don't know what comic, I don't, I don't know at what point I decided to actually start wanting to make my own comics. I know that when I was a kid, I definitely wanted to emulate that, which I liked. And so I, I tried to learn how to draw, and when I figured out I couldn't draw, I was like, well, then I can't do comics. And then just abandoned that notion pretty much until, like, a couple years ago, when I developed those other comics. Um, what's uh, what's that quote from the Ren and Stimpy guy saying, hey, don't feel bad, there's lots of people in the animation industry who can't draw. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's true. And Well, eventually, it was funny, when I realized, I was like, I can't draw, I guess I could just write and then I started. I tried to get into novels and short stories and and, and novellas and stuff, um, but it wasn't until uh, I decided to leave co- movies behind. I was like, all right, movies is movies are hard, and I, I don't know if I necessarily have a lot of those stories in me, or the stories that I want to tell are too big, and my ability slash scope is too small, and like, so what what venue can I use that can allow me to tell those stories without having to like have a budget? And that was comics. And I was like, oh, shit. And it took, it brought me all the way back. I, I also had a moment of leaving movies behind. I know I've probably told this story before, but originally when I came on YouTube, I wanted to be a movie YouTuber, which is why those two things I mentioned as inspiration were movie podcasts and a movie YouTuber. Boom. I kind of fell backwards into comics. I kind of fell backwards into the thing that was always there for me. And hey... Four or five years down the line, I think it worked out. Yeah, I agree. I, I think <laughs> that uh, I, I let me tell you, I also wanted to be a movie YouTuber, and uh, it's I crowded man. I literally, I just, I watched Red Light Media and went, nope, I'm never gonna be able to be as good as these guys, and I'm never gonna, I'm, I'm not even gonna try. Like, there's nothing that I can say that will be as clever or as interesting or as funny or as well executed as these guys. It's not even worth it to me. And they, they're another inspiration too. I would say to make some shit with your friends, to talk intelligently about you know works of art, or even in some cases works of mass art, and be super nerdy but also super intelligent, and find like an angle to it that also lets you be super funny. The reality is, Red Letter Media is an unbelievable source of inspiration for me on a daily basis because they always are evolving and while they don't throw the baby out with the bathwater like they don't get rid of the plinket reviews they don't get rid of half in the bag despite the fierce anti half in the bag rhetoric that came out when they started doing that show where people were like i'm not here for that and it became it's it is half in the bag i would argue is the new siskel and ebert yeah, I mean, in many ways, yeah, that's that's very... Dude, two other guys who inspired the shit out of me, Siskel and Ebert. I was too young, uh, or I was going to say, not, not even Siskel, uh, e- uh, I was too Just young Ebert. for that. Ebert and, uh, Ebert and Ropert oh, is what God. I watched. It yeah. was later on in life that I had to discover Siskel and Ebert, and I'm like, oh shit, there was another guy on this show. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that makes me sad. Uh, yeah, I... I, uh, I, I when was the last time anyone talked about Roger Ropert? No, not me. Not in a while. Yeah, I didn't like Roper. Uh, I didn't like Roper because I remember when Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring came out and Roper had a critique. Uh, Ebert was like, uh, Fellowship is amazing. It's an achievement. It, be- it be- deserves best picture. I've never seen anything like this. Mm. Uh, Roper said, I don't understand why Frodo is always so surprised by the ring wraiths. Whenever the ring wraiths show up, he's always surprised and frightened. He runs into them all the time, and each time he's surprised to see them, and it just, it was just unbelievable to me. I'm like, Roper, do you have any idea what you're talking about? (laughs) I don't think he, I don't think he ever really got most fantasy movies. That was kind of his, like, thing that he didn't quite get. No, he's like, I don't understand, like, okay, so, you know, it's a realm, and they, they, you know, they have elves, but, like, couldn't they just, couldn't have just been a a story about a convenience store robbery? Yes, which were always the movies he liked. Yeah, like, shut up, Roper. You basically summed it up. But, uh, anyway, (laughs) just drove me great. Once once he said that, I'm like, oh, okay, I, I don't need to listen to you. One last thing on that note. Remember, sadly, when Ebert passed away and they did Roper and another guy? They tried <laughs> that and that crashed and burned no. pretty quickly? By the time Ebert died, I was so outside the realm of film criticism, I was like, no. I, I don't even care. I was sad that he died because he was a titan of the industry. I uh, Personally, I was more of a Malton fan than I was a uh, Ebert fan. But uh, oh. 
you know, but uh, but yeah. Oh my Walt god! Never gets his due. You, if you've never seen it, you should watch the e- the Siskel and Ebert review of Batman: Mask of the Phantasm because these. Oh, it's wonderful. I think it's. Uh, I think. I think Siskel's the one who was like, I, uh, "We need to talk about this movie. We didn't get a chance to, but it's freaking great and it's legitimate." And I was like, "Holy shit!" I remember like when it came out. I'm like, "What? These guys are saying the thing." Hey, mom, get in here. Look, these guys are saying the thing that I said about the movie that you said that I dragged you to go see, but was actually real and it was about love. Shut up mom this is real <laughs> look at these guys justifying my art for yeah ex- exactly uh and i and i and i've been saying it forever and then uh what's it called i don't remember who there's some youtuber i don't remember who it was who came out like re- like within the last few years oh it was uh i remember when uh when the nostalgia critic was like as it turns out <laughs> mass of the phantasm was great let me tell you why and i'm like pretty good and i'm like yeah doug fucking we've known that since 1990 like four like welcome to the welcome to the party, pal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah. But I. But I need more Batman content. But I need more Batman content. So I guess. Like, well, I mean, like, I'm glad he made the video. But I was like, oh, you mean I could have just said things that everyone knew, and 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 I and I would have a career. That it was like Do why I... I hated Max Landis when I first saw him. He gets drunk and talks about death of Superman. I'm like, yeah, I literally have been doing that with my friends forever and i don't even need alcohol to make myself funny and interesting what the crap well you you, you're not the son of a landis i guess no that is legitimately it and then uh and then uh you know and then he wrote superman american alien i was like oh i'm a putz (laughs) god damn you for being great landis He, he he's 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 very talented when you point him in the right direction, he can make magic happen. The, the do no story structure. Yeah, exactly. The son of a bitch. <laughs> I, to, to quote South Park, yeah. another inspiration. Well, I can't. Uh, I can't. I can't get into Dirk Gently. I watched the first episode. I'm like, this was a very solid. This is a good show. You made a very good show. Now I will never watch another episode. <laughs> I, I I haven't tried. I know it was all on Netflix. It's all over the place. I I I, I was like, it's a good show. I'm glad you like it. I'm glad you're doing it, and I'm glad it's inspi- like it's inspiring for you. But I can't get into it. I'm sorry. Um, I never watched those horror stories he did either. Was oh, it like Channel Zero? Or Channel whatever? Zero is really good. How <laughs> Halloween's coming up? Maybe I need to sit down and watch it this Halloween. Yeah, you 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 can watch that, and then Stranger Stranger Things season two. There you go. Um, oh yeah, as the chat says, Chronicle. Yeah, Chronicle was good too. Chronicle was fine. I was like, oh yeah, Kira, nice job. Uh, but, uh, but it wasn't, it's, it's until... nice to see we've seen the same movies. Yeah. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> By that point, I'd already seen this, the, the death of Superman thing. And I'm like, yeah, all right, Lannis, I get you. I, I understand we're the same age and we read the same stuff and watched the same movies. The only difference is, uh, you got to be on the set for most of them. Yeah, the, the funny thing about Landis 2 and Chronicle in general is how it started this thing of, like, every other movie trying to, like, steal a little piece of Chronicle. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. even down to that new Power Rangers movie, it was like, let's just take a little Chronicle, let's just take a little of this Chronicle and put it in there. Well, because it, it spoke the language that Hollywood understands, which, of course, is, like, why Landis was able to, not, to na- knock it out of the park for them. And it's because Hollywood does not get comics. And I can say that, no. like, and I'll, I'll say it until the cows come home. They don't get it, and I don't mean like you know they don't they don't recognize their 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 rec- like their uh, relevance. It, I don't mean that they don't uh, see the the money that could be made from them. They just don't get it because every time they get a chance to do anything with them, I mean for the first you know from the movie serials of the '30s and '40s. Oh, oh yeah. To the to the to the shit that was made in the in the in the eighties and nineties and the, even to the to the lesser extent to the seventies, uh, they just they were like I don't know, you know I mean the the, the infamous story of Kevin Smith talking to uh, John Peters about oh, a classic. Uh, where he's like you and me we're gonna get Superman because we're from the streets I'm like first of all you're Barbara Streisand's hairdresser you don't you're hair not, guy you don't know anything. And you might have lived on a street, but you're not from the streets. Like, remember when, uh, remember when Sam Raimi made Spider-Man or was making Spider-Man yes. and they were like, and they were like, you don't understand. He read the comics when he was a kid. And I'm like, first of all, I've met a lot of people who grew up reading comic books who should not be making comic book movies. It's true. I'm not saying the Sam Raimi made a bad one. I'm saying that like, just because he, that, that was his prerequisite. Kevin Smith was given the the content like or the, the the contract to write a Superman script because he 
he showed that he can make that he that he knew something about them, which is more. They than gave he, it to the first. They gave it to the first guy who said he knew something. Well, it's it's more than anyone can than anyone in Hollywood could argue they did. Like Tim Burton's quote about uh, where he's like anyone. I think the quote was. Anyone who's ever seen my work knows that I would never read a comic book. That's a quote from Tim Burton. And it's like, yeah, man. Like, yeah, no shit. And it's like, that is the mentality of Hollywood. They don't get it and they don't care. And they, and they, and they. It's not their language. They don't speak it. Well, and they're like, okay, well, yeah, well that, but that exists. But how can I make it mine? Exactly. You know, how can I make, I I know Superman is iconic and he looks, and he's got this, this look. And it's literally been translatable through radio. And yet, I still want to make it like I want to manipulate it to make it mine. And it's like, oh yeah, what, 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 uh, you know, what arrogance? And anyway, uh, but but my point was about that was, uh, Landis is like, Hollywood doesn't get superheroes, but I do, and I get Hollywood. So he's a perfect. Mm-hmm. He's the perfect person to marry those two genres together. He's an interpreter. Yeah, exactly. He and he, he knows what they want to hear. But he also understands why they work. And, and so he's, he's got like, the name cachet and the muscle to make it I work. I mean, the name cachet. John Landis made great stuff. I love his work. But he also made, like, The Stupids. And, sure like, he has a really, like, infamous uh, blight on his career based on the Twilight Zone movie. Like, there's that. There's, yeah. I mean, like, Steven Spielberg, like, distanced himself from him. Like, they're not friends anymore. Like, it, mm-hmm, it, there's mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, you know... You can't just walk into Hollywood, knock in the door, and go, I've got a script for a superhero movie, and my, my father's John Landis. Like, kid had to work. I get it. Absolutely. But uh, you, anyway. You know whose Hollywood story I always liked, and I always found kind of inspirational? In fact, I was going to talk about this on the Guilty Pleasures episode, which we still might do in the future. Yes, yes. Uh, Darren Lynn Bousman, who you may remember as, like, the guy who did the majority of the Saw sequels, then did Repo, the genetic opera. Most people don't know his story and how it's kind of amazing. He came to Hollywood as a nobody writer. Mm -hmm. You know how he got his foot in the door? You know how he got people to start, like, taking meetings with him and giving him work? No idea. Uh, He and his buddy made up a fake movie and circulated it around Hollywood and got all this buzz as the creators of this movie that did not exist, that had all this award buzz that didn't exist. That's weird. How'd they do that? Fucking amazing, right? Yeah, that's amazing. I love, I, I love, I'm always inspired by, and I love the stories of people who circumvent the line. You know, people who figure out a way to get in without going the traditional route, but also without, like, blowing people in back alleys. <laughs> that, as the chat already jumped to. <laughs> yeah, just like, like, like Dan Slott, how he got into Marvel Comics. He just, he just said he was a, he just said he was a college student, got the college internship, and then just worked his ass off and did a really good job until they were like, you know what, we're gonna make you an employee. Uh, when, when is your, when does your uh, term end? And he's like, I haven't been a college student for two years. <laughs> That's awesome. And they're like, oh, well, congratulations, Dan. You're in. And we'll never let anyone else get in that way again. That's the that's thing about these kinds of stories. Everybody who like gets in through some secret way, they plug the hole behind them. Gotta close that loophole, make sure no one falls. The funny thing about Bousman, too, is, again, he made the majority of those Saw movies. But what he really wanted to make, he was a big fan of like musical theater and goth opera. He wanted to make a big budget like horror movie opera, which he did. Repo the Genetic Opera. Yeah. And, and it was amazing about that is that when he was making Saw 4, he purposely went out of his way to get a bunch of sets made and a bunch of props made so he could reuse them out the back door for the other movie. Yeah, and no, I heard that. The one he was really interested in. And, like, he no shame about it, too, on the commentary for 4. It's like, yeah, hey, and here's another shot I stole for Repo, and here's another set that I repurposed. Yeah, they told me to stop doing it on this day. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And then he crowdfunded a whole movie on his own of The Devil's Carnival, which wasn't as good as Repo, but still pretty amazing how the dude's like, hey, I'm going to make the Hollywood system work for me and for what I want. Exactly. By the way, Getting Artsy with a Lobster says, all right, I didn't miss it. Belated birthday wishes to Cape Joel. That's right, it was Joel's birthday not too long ago. Aw, thanks, Lobster. Uh, and thank you very much, Artsy with a Lobster, man. You rock. Uh, yeah, I, I, um, I'm always inspired by people who go, like, who, who just who just at some point or another go, fuck it. You know, uh, 
there's there's a here let me tell a little story about my about my childhood because i like to do that in every show i do please uh, do where um when i was a kid in high school uh there was this when i was a junior uh yeah when i was a junior there was this dude who i whom i admired who I drew inspiration from tying it in uh who was uh he was a stoner and he was a metalhead and he was uh, and he was just he w- he unapologetic about who he was but was but didn't let that make him into a dick you know what i mean how that's easy to do you know where it's like there there were two people actually in my high school who did the exact same thing one was a total cock and the other one was a completely <laughs> cool guy because one of them was like the howard took the howard stern approach where it's like i call it like i see it and i don't pull punches and it's like yeah and you're also a complete dick about it the other mm. guy's like yeah i don't i'm not a liar and it's like right on i can't argue with that and like it really is about intent and the way you present yourself it's a hard line to walk not everyone can do it some people think they're doing one but they're actually doing the other but this dude that who who i admire was just a really cool dude and just he really had no tolerance for bullshit and then when you're in high school that is what the building is built on top of so there's no escape from it but at some any good kid worked hard he made he had good rapport with his teachers so he was able to like kind of circumvent some of the bullshit but it was still very stifling and frustrating for him. And I remember one day we were in the the cafeteria and very quiet, like not, he wasn't a very quiet dude, but he was very quiet at the moment. And then he just put his fist through the table <laughs> and he put his, just out of nowhere. And he wasn't like near anybody. He didn't like put anyone in, at risk, but he put his fist, he put his fist through, through the table and uh-huh. just, just broke that table. And, uh, and I, and everyone, not everyone in the lunchroom, but everybody around him was like, just 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 took a step or took a moment took a breath and then he just very calmly and very quietly went and then he left (laughs) and And, and, and this was his art this was his performance piece no no it was his wake up and he and when he when he came back the next day he was wearing a bathrobe (laughs) and he declared that that day at that school at school was fun day he's like it's fun day. It's a day where I'm only going to have fun. And if I want to go to class, I will go to class. And if I don't, I just won't. And he was social enough and well-liked by his teachers enough to be able to get away with that. And it's, 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 you get to earn that. You, 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 people don't think they can get away with that. You have to earn it and you have to work for it. And, but, but you can earn that if you have... Basically, he reached a threshold... And when he hit that threshold, he was like, that's enough. Went to school in a bathrobe next day and just had a good time. He drove a little RC car through the school, you know, with oh, him. No. Like, basically, like, that was his familiar. And <laughs> was he a John Hughes character? <laughs> right, exactly. So he just, he was like, that's enough. Had a nice day. And it just had a very nice day. It was just really, really cool. And he wasn't like, it wasn't anyone's face. You know, he kind of had like a very Peter Gibbons kind of like a uh, office space Zen moment where he was just like, oh, he just, he just didn't let it bother him like a duck's back. Just like walk through school, like, like a, like the big Lebowski. And, <laughs> uh, but unlike the big Lebowski dude kept his chill and just Man. completely like walked through it like a ghost and just, de- and declared it was fun day and just had fun and like improv games, you know, like went into the cafeteria <laughs> and he's like, okay, now we're going to start doing games. We're going to start like, we're going to do little like relay races and stuff. Just completely turned it into like an event. And I, like, I just, I was so inspired by that moment and I was so like in awe of him just unapologetically being him. It's not Ben, everybody, by the way. Um, ben was in my grade. He was, uh, he would have been grounded. But um, <laughs> when 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 that subsided, by the way, next day, totally fine. Like it never fucking happened, by the way. Uh, but wow. fun day always stuck in my mind. And so the next year when I was a senior, uh, I, I didn't, I, I was like, I wonder if we'll ever get to do fun day. And I remember the <laughs> bull, I remember one day I hit the wall, I hit the threshold and I not, thinking about him or wanting to do that but i almost put my fist through a table like it was that point i don't i don't get violent i don't hit things but i was like but i had this moment i was like i need to take a step back because Mm. it's time for fun day and the next day uh we i just i was like i'm done so i went to my teachers and i was like i was like listen i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be in today and they were like okay uh will you be uh, are you going on a a trip something like no i'm not i'm just not gonna be in and they were like, mm-hmm. run on. And uh, so I, I didn't wear the bathrobe, but I did, like, keep it very chill. 
and I improvised games, and I basically just like I brought a cooler in, I filled it oh, with all the nice. all my favorite sodas and and hot pockets. I used ah. the teachers' lounge uh, microwave, and I just I just set up camp in the cafeteria. I rolled. We used to have like this uh, this big TV VCR that like was gathering dusk sitting in a corner. Oh, I, all the schools have those. Yeah, I brought uh, Terminator Two and Ghostbusters, and I just rolled nice. them in front of the, t- the 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 table where I like to sit, and just put them on and watched movies that I enjoy and ate from my cooler. And anyone who <laughs> wanted to hang out with me like did and just joined me, and uh, it got to the point where like. We did Fun Day twice that year because it was just because we had a really like dickish administrator, and of which was funny because when we did when we did Fun Day the second time, he called me into the office, and uh, the, the the principal, and he goes Cr- crusty Dean Bitterman exactly Dean Bitterman, uh, and by the way like at the end of the uh, the second one, we uh, I'm trying to remember what the hell oh. Uh, by the second fun day that we had that year, basically the entire student body was involved in some way. Mm, of course. They were How like, did they you not? see what's happening in the cafeteria? Like, we had, like, a little boombox playing music and just hanging out and stuff. It's infectious. It was. It was like a little like a little mini suburban Burning Man. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> or Coachella, if you will. <laughs> Law and order is breaking down in this school. Yeah, but at the end of the, at the end of that day, uh, the principal called me into his office, not to, not to ream me out or give me a hard time, but he said, like, people had more of a response and reception to Fun Day than most of our homecoming events. <laughs> and why wouldn't they? Yeah, and he's like, can you help me organize Fun Day, like, as a, as an institutionalized school holiday? And I was like, that ain't what it's about, man. And then I left. So <laughs> it's about. Again, you became the John Hughes character. I was the John Hughes character. I was like, that ain't what it's about, man. And I walked out. And, and then you uh, ran through a bunch of backyards. Yeah, exactly. No, it was just a. But like. But Fun Day was, uh, was, was like. You reach a threshold and you need to be like, I gotta do things on my own terms. And I don't need to do it every day because that's egregious and that's selfish and that's frustrating. And that, that, that's, how, that's how societies break down. But if you there's got, rules, Smokey. This isn't Nahum. But if you got like a really like if you if, if you reach that threshold, you know, like either you're gonna go crazy or you gotta like let off steam and like, you know, uh, I I think that that was a very productive way to do it. It was very inspiring for me, and I've applied that logic to like my whole like outlook on everything. Like if I reach a limit, I'm like, I either gotta like. I, I, I gotta step away and I gotta do something else or I gotta like I either gotta do something else or I gotta like do it on my own terms you know that's a, yeah, I, that's, a, that, that's funny that makes me think of my own schooling growing up I didn't go to high school a lot but because I read the textbook I made it okay on tests and like I was able to get by right there were, it, it was funny my, the class I was in the best in was media studies which was a class that's, I had first in the morning that's, that's ironic course, it is. And of course I aced it because I'm good at media and my teacher pulled me aside one time and said, okay, Joel, here's all the days you've been late. Here's your grade. Highest in the class. It looks like there's some payola going on here or something. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. sorry, man. Yeah. And I think that pissed people off where it's like, how can you not come in and yet still pass all the tests and do better than me who's been here? Yeah. No. Well, that's the thing. It's like, if, if you have a passion for it, you're going to be better at it. By the way, Getting Arts at Luster came back to the Super Chat and said, If Joel streamed here, I'd donate with this, but I guess wishlist stuff will do. Aww. That's very nice. Thanks, man. That's that's nice. But yeah, uh, it's funny. uh, Just just what, where inspiration comes from, it comes from the strangest of places, and it comes, or the most obvious of places. And you shouldn't be, if we can talk about like a little bit of advice, you shouldn't be like afraid about where it comes from or like get upset if it came from like an obvious place. You know, like. It's true. YouTube, the, the, the places that inspired me to do YouTube and how we do our shows, you know, yeah, like SourceFed was a huge inspiration for us. Uh, Red Letter Media was a big inspiration. Uh, I, I just missed SourceFed, too. Like, so many people were so bummed about SourceFed, and I'm like, I never even knew what they were about you until missed, they were You know what's funny? You missed it, actually, by a longer margin than you thought, because SourceFed was great, and then it wasn't, and then it was canceled. <laughs> Oh, that's and like before it was canceled, it was almost it was getting a little better, you know. But like, uh, but the 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 
the inspiration from there. But it, you know what it is? It wasn't like, well, these guys have uh, beanbag chairs, you know, or these guys mm. have, like, uh, they live in California. No, it's just like, if you have talented, smart, funny people, and you put them together, and they're able to make something uh, pure and real, then that's, that, that's, the, that's the best way to do it. Uh, if you work with your friends and you're happy doing it and you don't like let it get to you, then you'll never work a day in your life. And like, I literally don't like, you know, either I work with myself, I'm out of everyone that I work with, you know, Tiffany, Ben, Ethan, uh, the old, the hardest person I work with is me. You know, the biggest pain in my ass is me. (laughs) I I feel you. I'm in much the similar boat. It's funny in a way, Sal, you inspire me because I think in this YouTube gig, like, wow, Oh, Sal is good at what he does, and he's an adult. Is another <laughs> thing. Like, like he's got his shit in order. Like, man, if I work really hard at this YouTube thing, maybe I can have it as good as Comic Pop has it, making it look easy. Well, thank you, man. By the way, Storm King in the super chat just just giving us just just giving us a little donation. But yeah, I uh, I thank you, man. I really appreciate that. The be- the thing about the thing about adulthood, because I do- I'm not an adult. I like I've when somebody okay, I was at the store the other day, and this lady <laughs> said to her daughter. She was like, get that thing. And she's like, where is it? She goes, it's by the man. <laughs> and I was like, I'm a man. <laughs> Usually it's like, so. it's by that guy or by that kid and or by that dude. But like hearing somebody say like, it's by that man. I was like, who, me? No, I'm not a man. I'm, an, I, I'm, a, I'm a man child. I'm a man boy. I don't... I live a Peter Pan existence, don't you know? <laughs> exactly. But, like, being being an adult is just faking it in public. <laughs> I, I guess it has to be. It's, I had a similar thing when I was out in Victoria. I took my uh, young cousins out for ice cream because there was a place, like, right down the way. Yeah. And there was, like, a particularly, like, you know, large cone because, of course, there were multiple scoops because that's what the kids wanted. That's, that's, that's how they, yeah, that's how they uh, roll. Uh, as they roll, and their mother doesn't let them have ice cream, and I spoil the shit out of them when I'm out there, yeah. so they know they're in for a good time. <laughs> and the lady's like, oh, well, maybe you should, because uh, was there, I had the one, uh, uh, what is it, cousin who's like, you know, younger, it's like, oh, well, maybe you should let your daddy hold that. I'm just like, I'm not their parent, but thank you for assuming I might be. Yeah, exactly, exactly. What, me? A father? Nah. Don't wish these kids on me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just get to do the fun shit, and then I exactly. get to leave. Exactly. No, I'm having a fun time. I'm. I'm... <laughs> oh, it's true. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, let's see. So we talked about inspiring ourselves on a personal level. Oh, who inspires? Who inspired you personally? Like, is there a was there a was there a JJ from high school or from from real life? Like an like an uncle or a, or your parents or something like that that made you go like my. This is. I would this say is who both. I am. Were. Uh, both my parents are amazingly cool and easygoing. Uh, dad worked in the trades his entire life, uh, still working right now at like 50, you know, working his hands to the bone, drywall or taper, uh, taught me the, you know, importance of hard work and also how to work with people, I th- think uh, is a really important thing. Mom was a nurse, went to school, uh, got to actually travel over the world because of her nursing. We lived like in the Arctic Circle for like a couple months because, you know, mm. she took a job as an air ambulance up there you know she also yeah she also overcame like some personal shit as well some personal demons and that you know was always like a sign of strength for me to where it's like you know yeah yeah i should you know i I, if she can so can i yeah yeah that's awesome that's nice yeah my parents inspired me later on in life you know like when i was a kid i'm like ah they're dumb (laughs) (laughs) but as i get older i'm like oh it's funny how much they've learned over the past couple of years it's a, that's that's a paraphrasing of a Mark Twain quote, but I'll still uh, ah there you go. But, but I'll I'll use it. But yeah, no, Ma- I, Ma- Mark Twain, another inspiration. <laughs> it's true, it's true. But uh, yeah, man, um, who inspired? Who's what? Where, where's the most recent example of inspiration that you have found uh, recently? You know, like somebody you found where you're like, ooh, that is insp- like like. You know what I mean? Like we we've talked about like who's inspired us as we developed, or how we've worked on our our, our shows and our our, our 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 ourselves. But like, what about the most recent uh, examples of, of of inspiration? Where have they come from? Uh, Jason Inman did some cool shit today on Twitter. There was like some big news about the armed services and being a vet himself. Yeah. He took a stand and stated an opinion there. I'm like, holy shit, that's pretty cool. Yeah, good on you, man. Yeah, good, good on you for taking a stand, man. I knew you were cool. I like you even more now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, as far as recent stuff that, like, has inspired me, uh, 
I gotta tell you, I know we talked about this on the weekly poll yesterday, but that episode of whatever show where they interviewed uh, McFarlane. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Complex. Yeah, Complex. McFarlane's interview was not only inspiring and incredible, but, like, I knew all that stuff already. Like, and not like I knew what you... Don't say it, Todd, I heard you already. No, it's more like, holy shit, like, I've... I've heard these stories a million times, but this is the first time that someone, like, presented it in a way where it's like, these are lessons. These are... Whether whether you think Cygor is cool or not, here is his motivation. (laughs) Finding out that McFarlane bought the McGuire Balls to gain... Like a a like inner like an international hold, yeah. understanding like so the people like sen- like were synonymous with baseball and Todd McFarlane like is br- just like it, it's it's covert brilliance and I was that's like that's pretty crazy I, I was always like what the crap are you doing McFarlane is so freaking weird and stupid and then it turned out, and then I remember when Mark McGuire was like a phony and a and a steroid mm-hmm. user and it was like wow mm-hmm. your balls are useless McFarlane lol and it was like no like I've already I cashed in those balls man. It was like, holy yeah. shit. Like, I've that- cast them in many times. To think that he could still, you know, have some cool shit to say after all these years, McFarlane. Because usually those creators, once they pass a certain point where it's like, well, I don't think you'll ever say anything insightful ever again. Like, I've given up hoping Frank Miller ever saying anything insightful ever again. He doesn't have to. He already wrote Dark Darknet Returns. That's true. <laughs> he, he, he peaked. He peaked pretty early yeah, it's fine with me i mean like here's the thing that's what that's what a timeless work does it will inspire you forever it will constantly like either you'll either you'll appreciate it as a work that existed in a time that it came from or it will continue to grow as you as you evolve and it will continue to inspire you in different in different ways um Mc, uh, miller's legacy is secure oh, <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean but uh but that video a complex video not only did it give did it present mcfarlane in an inspirational way, but it also inspired me to make videos like that. I was like, yeah. these guys are making something really, really good. You know, I really want to make stuff like that. Or, you know, oh, I also forgot to shout out to Phil DeFranco. He's the guy who taught me how to vlog. Uh, I like I when I or how to get get used to seeing myself on camera. Uh, really quick. Yeah, I I I, I God. I was gonna say I, I missed the boat on DeFranco too, and vloggers in general. That was never my personal cup of tea but i know lots of people but uh oh, really quick uh, x-men origins oranges tangerine i don't have anything interesting to say or witty but just keep up the good work <laughs> thank you man thank you hey, so much that's all right yeah, yeah i'll take it but uh when i decided i could get into youtube i was like oh i guess i have to be a vlogger and i also happened to be watching phil defranco at the time so i watched his shows um, but then he parlayed his Phil DeFranco career into SourceFed, and I was like, oh shit, I want to make that, I want to make that. Uh, but it was interesting because DeFranco is the guy who helped me get used to seeing myself on camera, because when I was, uh, I, I was always a performer, I was always in plays and stuff, but I never could watch myself, because it was always cringe-inducing. It, 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 it drove me crazy. And, and it, it's a whole <clears throat> different beast, and thank you for using cringe properly. Yes, it was, because that's... Yeah, it wasn't like uh, I read... I, I, someone did a performance, and it was, yeah, it was cringe-worthy. But it was... Uh, it drove me crazy uh, trying to edit myself. I took a public speaking class, and I did it, and then I had... But I had to film myself and then learn like from what I watched in the video, and that made me want to die. Like that was, I, I almost wanted to not watch the video, but I knew I had to in order to like say where I made like errors and stuff, but yeah, it drove yeah. me nuts and making those like DeFranco-esque videos that no one will find or watch. Um, they, I, 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 I weirdly never had a problem with public speaking. Maybe I just always felt like I needed to be the center of attention. And even if I looked stupid, yeah, but they're looking at me, right? Right. No, that's me <laughs> to a T. And I always had a, I never had a problem with public speaking. It was a problem with me watching myself public speak. If I had right. seen, if, on my best, like most public day, if I ever saw a video of it, I'd probably just jump off a bridge uh, <laughs> because I don't want to see myself in my natural environment. But like, DeFranco's vlogs and trying to emulate that style and then forcing myself to edit it where I had to watch Mm. myself not just watch myself watch myself multiple Multiple. times and watch myself fuck up multiple times and then try to refine that into something that I actually wanted to show people after seeing Mm. myself in action I'm like I don't want to I don't want to I'm never going to talk to anybody ever again (laughs) much less film myself and record and put it on YouTube but that that inspired me to to get over it and it was really like a make or break moment where I'm like either I'm going to Never, or either I'm going to just get into teaching and, and forget 
how I sound out loud, or I'm gonna like make videos and learn how to do it because like I, I I'm gonna have to like be a big boy and, and edit myself because <laughs> yeah, no one's gonna yeah. do it for me. It's not like I'm gonna be like Tiffany, you wanna edit this for me? Should be like no, I'm I'm busy. I got shit to do. You gotta edit me. You gotta edit me doing my video. <laughs> you gotta get big and popular, then you can pay people to edit your shit. For well, that's you. true. Yeah, but uh, and even then, and even then, I might have a problem with that because I'm like, no, I want to feel a sense of ownership. As we were talking before, I want to get my own hands in this. Not only that, but like, what if they use a shitty take, or what if they want to like, what you know, what if they don't understand what your best foot forward is? You know, <laughs> what if they make me look bad? Yeah, what if they make me look bad? But uh, yeah, so any other uh, any any other uh, thoughts on this topic? Since we ran twenty minutes over, but I think we were twenty minutes behind, so I think it worked out. It all worked out. Uh, yeah, I think I think we hit a lot of notes on this. I thought we were just going to be talking about the nerdy stuff that inspired us, but I actually yeah. think we managed to, as we promised, made this a deeper, more complex, more layered show. Amen to that, man. Uh, any any final thoughts on this topic before we wrap up for today? No, no, I, I think we killed it. I think uh, <laughs> the audience will, will know us a little better now and Agreed. vice versa. Yeah, I agree with that. Thank you. Well, thank you, Joel, for coming up with this topic and giving it to our audience and... Uh, I want to thank our audience for hanging out with us and listening to us ramble on about ourselves for about an hour. And yeah. uh, we'll uh, we'll see you guys next week with another episode of Elseworlds Exchange. Before we go, uh, don't forget, this is a podcast that you can vote for. If you like it so much, go to podcastawards.com, vote for us. Um, also vote for our sister show, The Poll, and The Weekly Poll. Uh, Joel, what's happening on your channel that you can check out? Uh, well, hey, talking about inspiration, I was really inspired by Hot Ones, but especially Hot Pepper Gaming, to marry hot sauce and comic books into a show called Comic Spice. You can go watch that. It's the second episode. I'm still kind of finding my voice for it, aka, you know, talking while my mouth is burning. Yes. I think I'm going to get a backdrop. I'm saving up for a brand new camera. I think, uh, I think the show's got legs. I think the show can be uh, becoming something. And also, hey, if you've already listened to the weekly polls, uh, San Diego Comic-Con, special uh matt and i did one too as well that's also up the nice watch uh well today is the last episode of back issues that will feature the red couch so if you get a chance uh say goodbye to the old girl she was she she was a good soldier she honored us uh but uh but yeah we're going on to greener pastures and that's not a hint as to what color the new couch is we're even using a couch but we are moving on to something big and very different so uh, I hope you guys like the changes that are coming next week you will see a very very different comic pop so are you uh, are, are you gonna do like a black and white like uh, in memoriam for the red couch set to I will remember I really don't want to do that because like I got other shows to shoot I'm like I am three episodes ahead right now of back issues that I have to cut like <laughs> so I got a lot of work to do I do not have time to make a hilarious video about the couch. <laughs> Are you are you giving the couch a new home, or are you just putting it on the curb? No, no, it's it's staying in my living room. I'm gonna sit on it. Oh, okay. It's a foldout. I there need that go. for guests. No, no, no. The the red couch <laughs> will not be auctioned off. I I kind of was thinking about doing that with the old couch, but I didn't. We didn't. I didn't think we had a a large enough audience for us to get rid of it. And then it was easy enough for me to just give it to Ben and Ethan for them to use in their living room. <laughs> There you go. That'd be a hell of a thing, though, where it's like, like ah, yes, some some rich Saudi prince fan of comic pop really wants that. Right. Couch. The other thing was, I really didn't want to deal with like shipping a couch. Yeah. So, I, I like Sam in the chat says Viking funeral. A lot of people on Twitter have been suggesting that we burn the couch. I'm like, I, I, we bought that couch. That was an expensive couch. It has a bed in it. I'm no, I'm not doing that. And it would have been. We would have kept it, but it was a foldout, and I didn't want to. I didn't. I didn't want to bring it. Like I didn't want to carry it. Uh, by the way, really quick, a shout out to Getting Arts with the Lobster again. Oh boy, I hope it's Hammocks, Mitch Bur- Hedberg. I hope it's Hammocks. <laughs> Thanks, that's, man. That's the future of comic book Just YouTubing, right there. Do a show in cam uh, in hammocks. Yeah, uh, I won't be able to do the impression justice, but if you Google uh, Scorpio hammocks, you have the f- my f- my favorite moment from that episode of The Simpsons. Check it out. But it's uh, really good. Stay tuned for stay tuned for back issues, everybody. We'll see you guys next week with an all new episode. If the Elseworlds change, I'm Sal. I'm Joel. So long, everybody, and see you next week. Bye bye. <laughs>